Welcome to the Next Level Show, where we talk with people behind Next Level ideas, products, and technology that are changing the world around us. I'm Lubo Smith, the co-founder and CEO of STRV. And today we are bringing you a special episode where we look into the most impactful trends and stories of 2022. I'm joined by the co-founder and El Presidente of the Future Party, Boye Fachimi, who has been building the community around the business of culture and the culture of business for over 11 years. You don't want to miss this episode if you want to be ready for the shifts coming at us at light speed in 2023. So let's dive right in. Boy, welcome back to the show. I'm very happy that we can do it again. I remember that when we did the first episode together, we dove into a lot of interesting topics, really futuristic ones, and you provided great insights into what you feel might be coming down the pipe. And I'm very excited to do this tech trend report special again now with you as as a guest and we have a lot of interesting things to to talk about but how have you been in the in the meantime for sure happy to happy to be here thanks for having me back i've been good it's been a it's been a gnarly year with everything recession to new innovations and it's been fun and wild to to navigate it all but i'm i'm doing well getting ready for the holidays And uh, we will be bridging the STAV tech trend report with what's coming down from the future party and your daily newsletter that is filled with a lot of really interesting news that are happening in the world. So I think that there's there'll be a lot of pretty cool topics to to talk about and 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 cover in today's episode. But before we dive in, both of us, we got back from Art Basel last week, and it was a really busy week in Miami. A lot of things happened, and we did our Art Basel special before we went to to Miami. But I would love to get some thoughts from you, how you think the whole event evolved over the years and how you actually enjoyed your stay in Miami. Yeah, no, I think Art Basel was was a really interesting, fun year this year. You know, it's funny, I, at this point, I call Art Basel Tech Basel. It, it really feels like a, almost like a South by Southwest sort of vibe. Like, it's not just about the art. I think that's the the core and that's what what, what kicks off the the whole week and weekend. But It's just so dynamic to see how crypto and tech has and music has also invaded. I would also say fashion too. And so for us, it was a really fun time. We activated at the Scope Art Show. We collaborated with a, a lot of sweet brands, STRV included, but our sort of, you know, main catalysts for that were this group called the Catalina Whales, which are an NFT group. They have a lot of fun NFTs and a really cool community. And we did a day panel with Polygon and Magic Eden. Uh, and then we also did a massive party with those cool DJs. And, and that was really, really cool. And beyond that, we tried to navigate it all with, you know, all the hundreds of parties and things happening at the at the fest. So it was good. I feel I feel Like I have a lot of thoughts on on just Art Basel in general, but I'd be curious how you enjoyed your your week. Yeah, it, like for me, it was a little overwhelming seeing so many events taking place at the same time. 
and people going from one place to another and like not being able to decide what to prioritize and so on. But to me, like it was the first time at Art Basel for myself. And I have to say, I really enjoyed it. I don't see any reason why I'd not go next year. It was a wonderful opportunity to meet great people and some of the connections that I have established, I think are, are going to be very impactful for us next year. Yeah. Uh, certainly being at, at those flagship events makes a lot of sense. But I wanted to ask you, what do you think drives the tech people to to go to Art Basel and why did why did it change over the over the past years so much? Yeah. Just like uh, transitioning from typical art fair to you know event that uh, was like heavily heavily influenced <laughs> by crypto NFTs and tech overall. Yeah. Well, the thing the thing that people may or may not know is even before the whole Web3 craze, Art Basel did have some innovation to it. You know, we I actually remember we were part of an activation that, um, you know, fused in tech and music, but with art. Right. And so I think the thing to remember about these festivals, whether it's Art Basel or South by or Sundance is even if they have certain purposes, when they get people together, they become cultural. And when something becomes cultural, it becomes a melting pot of different ideas, of different industries. And so I think at its core, Art Basel, I mean, Art Basel has been around for a long time. And so, you know, it's become a place where different people can come together to celebrate. It's a concentration of of bodies, of minds, of attention. And so to me, it's no surprise that people want to sort of be involved and also evolves in the same way that language evolves. And so, you know, art is not necessarily just paint on a canvas or a sculpture in a park, right? As the means of our communication involves, you know, we will find art there. And so tech is just also another medium in which art can be used and loved and enjoyed. And so to me, it makes sense that people in the tech industry would come to see how to build and create and integrate, you know, tools. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think that's one piece of it. I think another piece is Miami in general as a city is becoming a technological hub in their own right. Right. You have a mayor who cares deeply about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. And, you know, everything that happens, you know, all year round beyond our Basel, I think also makes the city itself an entrepreneurial, technological city. And so I think all of those combined create sort of this idea that our Basel is beyond just the art, but tech, music, fashion as well. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. And you mentioned one word that I got stuck in my mind and that was melting pot. Because I feel like if you have a lot of like-minded people coming to one area, great things can happen. And For as sure. we are doing this Tech Trend Report special, right before the holidays, I wanted to ask you, what, what do you feel are going to be the events of 2023 that we can look forward to? Is there yeah. something in particular? If you look at it from the you know 40,000 feet kind of view, uh, looking at all next year. What, what are some of the most anticipated events that will be taking place? Yeah, I think 
I think we're starting to see what next year might look like in some regard. I I feel that next year AI is going to be sort of the the topic of choice, right? Like I feel like this year it was all about NFTs and maybe the year before it was Clubhouse and live live virtual events and and what we're seeing right now is with AI is this accessibility that you know, I think many people might have thought was a little further out than it actually is. And already this month of December, there have been huge moments for AI between what's happening with Lenza and people changing their profile pictures of their AI images to Dolly to ChatGPT, which I think had something like over a million downloads in five days or users in five days. I think AI will have its moment next year, and I think it's going to be a very profound year for AI. I think next year we'll probably also see more of a splintering and unbundling of big tech. And what I mean by that is traditionally, I would probably say for the last decade, big tech has just gobbled up industry after industry, vertical after vertical, and we've been cool and chill and happy with it. And I think both on a governmental, federal level, we're seeing a little bit of pushback, but we're also seeing a pushback from a user, a customer level as well, in that, you know, one example is social media itself is being, you know, once upon a time, Facebook was it. That's what we did. It was like, there's a duopoly, Facebook, Twitter, those are your social media channels. And now both are at stake of, you know, not being really relevant. And I wouldn't even say TikTok or Snapchat. It's like, what are these new mediums? Be real, yeah. gas. You know, I think people are okay being in their own little pockets and not necessarily needing to be accessible to everyone. I think that's going to be uh, interesting to see. I think. My mind almost sees it as social media being okay with creating villages as opposed to replicating the world. And I think another example of that is of sort of this unbundling of big tech, I'm calling it, is what's happening with Apple. You know, for since the inception of the iPhone, the general public has not cared. Companies have really accepted the 30% tax that people have when they, you know, participate in commerce within the app store. That's just what Apple says. Hey, if you're going to build in the app store, you're going to do any subscriptions, you're going to sell anything, well, we get 30%. And now what we're seeing is a massive pushback from major people, from Spotify to Riot Games to whoever. I think it's Riot Games. I need to double check that. But case in point, people are not happy with that tax and they're actually doing something about it. And I think that might actually change. So I think there's a lot happening that I, I don't want to keep talking, but those are a couple of yeah. things that, you know, I'm, I'm thinking through. No, most definitely. And you touched a lot of things and I think we can probably pick them and try to deconstruct them one by one as, as we are diving into some of the trends that, that we are seeing right now. And you mentioned okay. AI. 
yeah, can of I course. just say, sorry, it was Epic Games versus Apple, not Riot Games. Yeah, yeah, that, that that's right, that's right. There's a, <laughs> there's a big case, Epic versus yeah. Apple. That's that's right. Yeah. Well, we'll get to it. I think that that's also a super interesting topic to cover. But let's first look at the AI and the immense growth of ChatGPT getting such an insane amount of users in a matter of days and also what we have seen with like the generating generating of images that people share across all social media it like what it feels like to me is that suddenly when you find a product that people like and and it goes viral it's unlike anything we have seen in the past when it comes to how fast it can grow and how fast it can spread across the world because i i don't think that there is a product that grew as fast as uh, mm-hmm. for example the chat gpt yeah i'm i'm sure there i'm sure there have been but i i agree the the fervor and the passion in which people have adopted this is cool, unsettling, whatever you want to say. But I think to me, <clears throat> they they've sort of really hit the chord on a moment, on a need. And that's probably why people are interested in it. You know, a, a lot of people are comparing it to Google in a sense, in that, you know, Google I, I feel like has become sort of like a second brain for us, or 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 let's call it the search bar. Right. If we don't know something, we search it. Right. And it's it's sort of extended our knowledge base. It's basically given expertise in the palm of everyone's hand. And what chat GPT is doing is taking that to a different level, because when you search on Google, you have thousands of queries that you have to sift through to get the answer that you need or to get the different points of view that you need. With ChatGPT, you get the answer. And not just that, you get the task done, right? So I might be looking for a legal contract template on Google and have to search, again, hundreds and thousands of websites, lawyers, or I could ask ChatGPT to create a legal agreement for me. So it's, I think it's that level of I think uh, expertise and help that this technology is giving to people that's got people really fascinated. It's basically like a robot assistant that's really quite intelligent, maybe more (laughs) intelligent than than a lot of people. Well, definitely more intelligent than than some. But uh, I I think that there is also some downsides of using such a service and I've seen cases where, you know, the, and we talked about it at the previous podcast that like, it seemed like factually very correct, but uh, Mm -hmm. when you dive deeper, it also can like be a little misleading and and provide information that are not correct. But the the problem behind uh, behind it is that like, you are not able to verify where it's coming from, right? Yeah. So it provides you with like, if you ask for a legal contract, for example, yeah. uh, it will put something together uh, yeah. with a fair precision, but it will not tell you, oh, I use this and this source, and this is where it's coming from. Versus if you just use Google as our second brain right now, you get presented with various options, and then you can 
go and verify those options if they work for you, if everything is is correct and so on. So I, th- yeah. I feel that this level of like presenting things as, you know, that's the way they are could mislead a lot of people because they suddenly will not question what they yeah. what they what they get back and they will they will take it as given and they will run with it pretty much but mm-hmm. what if they run with something that is factually incorrect yeah no i think i think what you're saying is is definitely something open ai needs to solve for when you get the answer if the individual who is inquiring is not curious, is not one who challenges, then they they could take that information as fact, right? I, I, I can't remember who it was, but I was talking with someone the other day and they asked chat GPT what marriage is, right? And we don't need to get into the answer or the politics of it, but chat GPT gave a specific answer that maybe half the country might've been upset with. So I I think that sort of level of things, it's like, okay, well, what happens when you get into hot button fundamental issues? Like, is there life on other planets? Is there God? What happens after you die? Like all of these things. And sometimes chat GPT might say, hey, I can't answer it or blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I think to your point, there needs to be some filter of, presenting all sides and not necessarily the answer because when you present the answer then all of a sudden you don't have sort of a product for all people you have a product for certain people yeah just just for the sake of curiosity i actually think that getting answers to some of the questions that you mentioned like is there god and how does the life end and what's what's going to happen after it actually like i think for me, it provides some level of inspiration, creativity, and like just a a, a thought provoking impulse, which yeah. I really enjoy. But I also feel like not everybody will be questioning that, challenging that, and so on. And like that's that's what I'm worried about. But uh, yeah. certainly, I think like the the reason why it picked up so much traction is that. Uh, people can actually relate to the responses and to the answers and as you mentioned right if if you ask what what is marriage then like uh, yes you will get an answer that likely will not satisfy 100% of the us population not even taking into account that uh, it's different in every single country more or less right so how do you is it should it be tailored to the person asking should it be some average of the opinion of the entire planet there's a lot of these i wouldn't even call it edge cases that i think need to be taken into account but something that you mentioned is like that we can expect a lot to happen in the ai field within the the next year i would definitely agree with that and I think what we have seen already is a, a huge improvement and it's probably something that we have not been expecting and that's why people are so obsessed about it. Totally. I was actually during this chat wanting to go into chat GPT to create some queries live, but it's so busy that I can't get in right now. So oh, wow. when you say people are obsessed, I think you're right. Like I just got this notice we're experiencing <laughs> exceptionally high demand. Please hang tight as we work on scaling our systems. So I can't even wow. play with it, which is kind of wild. 
that's that, but I think that's crazy. Um, I think you mentioned one thing that is is you know potential problem, right? Is sort of this idea that Chat GPT might have a specific worldview that might be problematic to people who have thousands and millions and billions of worldviews. I think I see two other issues. One, we have a problem with jobs, right? So for some time, we didn't realize that that this technology might actually Im- impair, hurt corporate level jobs, right? I think when people thought about AI taking over, they might've thought it could have been like more blue collar type work, like what Miso Robotics is doing, even the Roomba vacuum, right? But right now you have a technology that's coming after lawyers, that's coming after teachers, that's coming after copywriters, you know, and in in the Dolly world, that's coming after designers. And so I think, you know, the funny thing is all those people will probably leverage AI, but at some point, which goes to my other point, is that we are teaching the AI how to be better by every inquiry, every conversation, you better believe it's learning, it's ingesting. And so, you know, to what end are we sort of giving away our ease and comfort to technology? And by the way, that's always been, I think the, in my opinion, the rub with technology is it's always been a quest for ease. Invention has always been a quest for ease, for comfort, for our own desires. But as we've gotten into sort of the modern era, we are giving something away for that ease, for that comfort, for that knowledge. And that's our information, right? And I think this is going beyond information. We're giving away our knowledge. We're giving away our humanity almost in a certain way, for lack of better terms. Yeah, it like it would be very interesting to see how it's gonna evolve with the inputs that we provide, but I think only time will actually tell. Um, I think we can move into something that you touched in the intro as well, and that's what's happening with the big tech, what's happening in the in the social media world, and whether or not there is a big shakeout to be expected. What 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 are your feelings about who might be the the winner? of the next year as things are unfolding right now? I think <clears throat> I think there's going to be multiple winners. I don't think there's going to be one winner. And look, big big tech, even though I, I feel that the reliance on them is not going to be as pronounced, I still feel like they're going to be around, right? I just think that the age of the monopoly is being threatened for them. So we can name a couple sectors, right? Amazon somehow became the definitive shipping e-commerce, you know, monolith in the industry. But now we're seeing different aspects of what they've created being challenged, right? So whether it's Shopify or all the various different vendors and small mom and pop shops or even Walmart, which is creating their own sort of shipping or even look at what's been happening with search over the last several years with other companies like DuckDuckGo challenging Google or the Brave browser and so on and so forth. So I think that I think the little guy is going to have more and more of a voice 
and threaten the big guy. I think the area that may be the hardest in the near future to challenge is when it comes honestly to the duopoly that we have with with Android and uh, and iOS, Apple and, and Google's hardware. And by the way, hardware is the real the real deal when it comes to who actually owns the monopoly. They are the distribution. Tim Cook could turn off any app we use and immediately screw over any business that's software based. And sometimes people don't realize that. Obviously, he'd have a lot of issues and problems, but he who holds the distribution holds the complete power. So even though Apple is going up against all these people to challenge their, you know, app store fees, like Apple's going to be fine. And I think they're going to be fine for maybe the next 50, 100 years, you know, until we don't have hardware at all. And we're, you know, it's all augmented reality. But I think I think when it comes to tech, uh, we'll probably see more social media companies. I think I think maybe a couple of years ago, social media companies stood no chance, right? They'd crash and burn. And sometimes you'd get like new ones, but I think we'll see more. And, and I think they'll have success even if they don't reach, you know, the level of audience that Snap or Twitter or Facebook has. And I think that's okay, you know, and I think they will they will be successful even with small audiences. I think that's just where things are going. And yeah, like you you mentioned a lot of uh, interesting insights and one of our previous guests on the podcast, we had the founder of you.com, which is a search engine that tries to go directly after Google. And there is a lot of, and they are actually like making a great progress on that. And then you, what mentioned, what you mentioned about Apple and like, of course, like building hardware is freaking hard. And uh, I think like, I'm surprised that we don't see a bigger rise of the technologies to distribute apps in a different way than just through the App Store and uh, mm. through Google Play. Yeah. And uh, I think that, like, the, the web experience, for some reason, is just not, like, as good as what we are used to with the mobile applications. And that's why there is this weird gap. And... Uh, Apple and Google are being the doorkeepers. And as you mentioned, you can, they can decide who they let in and who they don't. Yep. And like we have seen many, many of these examples. I think the most recently, if I recall correctly, they removed uh, Coinbase from the App Store before they disabled some feature to transfer tokens or or something like that. And I feel like they are trying to really protect the position in the market. But again, going back to the Epic versus Apple case, there's going to be more and more of these situations. And I think what has happened last year with Apple reducing the, the percentage from 30 to 15 to small businesses under $1 million in annual revenue. I think that trend is going to continue. And I feel like, yes, taking a 30% of your proceeds just for, you know, for being able to publish apps on the App Store. I think everyone collectively agrees that it's outrageous, but I think that it's just a matter of time when the the power of the external forces are so strong that there will need to be a big shakeout to to change that. Uh, For sure. 
to be honest, I <clears throat> I struggle a little bit with people thinking that Apple charging 30% is too much in that Apple's been around for a long time. The App Store's been around for a long time and we've, we, we had accepted it up until now. And yeah. I think for me, the reason why I struggle is because like who sets the rules? It's all, it's all arbitrary. What, what is fair here? You know, the government, you know, if you live in California, you lose about 50% of, of your money. You know, that's not necessarily fair, but that's my opinion. They could say, well, it's not fair that, that we don't. And so I kind of think about, at least in America, how things were founded from the idea of the American dream and capitalism and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, they built it, you know, they, they succeeded in creating technology that we all are interested in using, um, let them get whatever they want. But at the same time, I understand the other side where it might be hard to operate as a business, you know, if, if we take it or if, if we are okay with a 30%, but I struggle to fully be like Apple is in the wrong here yeah. because, you know, it's like, there's no right answer. Like there's no, nothing came before it, you know, May, maybe if you want to look at sort of the contracts and deals that happen in like the entertainment industry for like an agent, right. Or like a commission fee. But, you know, I think in, in, in one instance, I feel like Apple, Apple created the iPhone. They, they, they created they they invented even the ability for these businesses to actually even create technologies on hardware like so why not but that maybe that's just the contrarian thought yeah and definitely that's undeniable that they have contributed a whole lot into the culture and and technology how we operate today uh, at the same time i feel like the the trajectory is going to be like decreasing that at least that percentage because the way it started it was it was something extra for many of the businesses it was something that they got on top like additional distribution channel and extension to their existing business model but what's happening today is that there is a lot more businesses especially on the on the app side and for them it's it's the only channel right and having one organization or two organizations being the the sole power behind whether you can actually do your business or not and like i you made a nice parallel with with the government taking 50% of your income on on taxes and i think that this this almost feels like a smaller government in 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 certain angle mm. so that that's why i'm relatively confident that there is going to be something happening in that area at the same time, I have been having that feeling for a few years now and not much changed. So we'll see how that evolves. Totally. totally. And uh, I think one one other topic that we could cover as well is, uh, I think we can call it a crypto cleanse. And it's not just FTX, the, the most recent hit, but everything that is happening around the, the crypto markets and NFTs, it's been a wild year of 2022. A lot of bad actors got eliminated. And of course, like there have been a lot of victims as well. But what do you think is expected on, on this front when it comes to maybe the next bull market or a wider adoption of cryptocurrencies overall? 
Yeah, I think the one element I think we all need to remember is that the whole economy is down across the board, not just in crypto. You know, and I think yes, crypto is is getting wiped, NFTs are getting wiped, but there are still passionate communities building around it. And that's why I think there is not going away anytime soon. I see a world where when we start to rise again with the economy that crypto will will do the same in kind you know it's definitely not great and i think what the recession has exposed are sort of the frauds you know it's like a house of cards moment i think over the next couple years the cream will rise and the people that are meant to stay and build in this industry will and the people that that can't and don't will not you know it's very unfortunate to see people's hard-earned money go away like you know i i think most can accept the idea that if you if you invest in cryptocurrency you know you're at risk of of winning big or not right that's just that's just what happens when you invest your money the issue right now is that the companies which people are trusting with their money are really sort of being completely irresponsible. And so, you know, what's happening with FTX or BlockFi or Celsius, it's like investing your money in sort of the the NASDAQ or on Robinhood or E-Trade, whatever, and losing your money, not because the stock went down, but because the business didn't perform or misused your funds for their own gain. And I think yeah. that that part is scary and there will always be bad actors in any industry. And the issue is it's probably scaring away the, the average investor. Um, so I think what's happening with SBF is actually much needed even to, to give people trust in sort of the currency. But when you go to like Art Basel, you go to NFT NYC, you go to these places where things are happening. Crypto is well, the, the community is too passionate to let this thing ever not come to existence so you know i know people are still buying nfts it's people are still building on on web3 i think it's just morphing and changing and and hopefully getting better yeah and i i also agree with that that like we we need to be very careful with what we do with our funds and uh i think people look into these crazy gains and they went crazy with wherever they would deposit their money. And that's what I think is giving power to the bad actors to build up big businesses. But if we are a lot all a lot more cautious, I think it will ultimately not allow them to have such a big exposure. So I hope that uh, if I could wish something from 2023, that will be that people are a lot more careful with what they do with their funds and not just within crypto, but, but overall, because if we can eliminate that, then I think it's going to be only positive uh, for, for the world. For sure. For sure. And uh, one, one other topic that I wanted to open, you mentioned that your idea is that there could be a future where we don't use hardware and everything is some sort of augmented reality. Where do you think we are headed when it comes to augmented and virtual reality? And what can we expect from the big tech, from Apple, Meta on those fronts? Is there, is there any expectations that you have from the next year? 
And what what would be your preference, more of the augmented reality route or more virtual? Yeah, you know, kind of with our conversation about AI, like coming and being this thing that people thought was so far away, but is like here in a big way. I don't even know anymore. You know, I, I think many people have speculated that VR and AR adoption is super close. And a lot of people are like, no, it's far away. I think it's hard to say. I think I have a lot of thoughts. One thing I will say is that oftentimes I think people like to hate on Mark Zuckerberg, but I I have no horse in this race, but I will say traditionally, Mark has disrupted his business himself and gained seeing things way far ahead than other people. Imagine if he hadn't acquired Instagram. Imagine if he hadn't acquired WhatsApp. Like Facebook would not be where it's at today. And, and you know, I think the fact that he's diving into the metaverse right now, he's getting ridiculed for it. I, I don't know. Like he could, he could be, he could be smart. He could be making a poor move. I will say that virtual reality right now, your average person does not have a headset. They're not spending any amount of time sitting in virtual reality unless they're going to, you know, a party or have a specific use for for work or a game. But it's not as widespread right now as people might hope, right? We were talking earlier about the distribution and hardware being that distribution, right? A la the iPhone. But we're not necessarily seeing that mass adoption when it comes to a VR headset. And I don't know what that means. I also know that um, sometimes it's about being in the right place at the right time, right? Like, I don't want to get completely dark, but look at what COVID did to certain industries. Zoom was around before COVID. People used it, but it was an outside factor that caused the widespread adoption of a piece of technology. And I think there are worlds where that could happen to VR. It would be like dark worlds, right? It would have to be another sort of pandemic level threat, nuclear threat, you know, post-apocalyptic. But in my opinion, that's the only thing that's going to cause people to like want to want to connect with others virtually, whereas they could do that in real life. Or they could do it like we're doing now in a 2D manner. You know, that's not this whole thing of like being in a different space. Augmented reality, I think the issue there is that I think, again, it comes down to the hardware. Like people, I don't know that everyone just wants to wear glasses walking around, um, you know, it because it, it's it's tough. It's like, yes, we wear sunglasses. Yes, some people wear glasses, but you know, how many people are running to get, you know, the, the the Ray-Ban glasses that Facebook did, you know, in collaboration with them or the spectacles, the snap spectacles, not, not a lot. And so it leads me to believe, well, maybe it's going to be harder to actually have AR. I think right now there are practical ap applications of AR that can be found in your phone, right? Where you can like use actual apps in the app store right now for practical yeah. uses, for fun uses. I think I think we'll see a lot of that, but the full adoption where like we have no phones and we're texting people and walking around and, you know, look, doing searches just in front of our faces. I think the technology is going to have to literally be like 
in our brains, on our eyes for, for that to be adopted. So those are, those are my thoughts. I just don't know what's going to get people to massively adopt these technologies in the near yeah. future. If I could pick, I would uh, probably watch for more of the augmented reality, but staying at least to some extent still present. That would be that would be my preference. But yeah, we have we have discussed a lot of interesting topics. But for people that are interested to learn more, there is the STRV Tech Trend Report for the month of December, filled with fresh new updates about what's happening. In the space, uh, what are the new startups, who is getting funded, and so on. And on the flip side, on your end, there is the Future Party newsletter that is being distributed daily. So I would definitely suggest for all the people tuning in to check those. And I wanted to thank you so much, Boe, for joining me for this nice wrap-up of the year, talking uh, about some of the highlights and some of the things that we can expect next year. And is there anything else that you would like to mention to conclude it all? I think, um, yeah, you know, it, it was fun to to hang today. And I always love talking about trends and different things. Like you mentioned, we're always doing it. It's just futureparty.com. I'm halfway on Instagram. I love talking trends and, and seeing where, what the future, future may hold. So I'm looking forward to more and more combos. Love that. Well, thank you so much uh, for joining me today and I'll be looking forward to the next one. Perfect. We'll chat soon. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please follow us on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. And we will be thankful if you leave us a review. That's it for now. Until next time on the Next Level Show.